Psalm chapter 27 is where we're going to spend the bulk of our time. Psalm chapter 27. Last week, um, we just had the privilege to go through Psalm 22. And Psalm 22, in my mind, is one of the two most clearest pictures of the crucifixion in all of the New Testament. Between Isaiah 53 and Psalm 22, we see clearly the death of Christ. And we just saw that Christ is all in suffering and that our response in that is to still worship and praise God. And that He is all in our praise and in our worship of Him. Uh, We saw that the death... Death of Christ means something, uh, that it's a lasting death and it has atoned, Christ has atoned for our sin, our burden and our sin debt. Psalm 27 is where we're going to spend our time this morning. Hear now the words of the Lord. This is a Psalm of David. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I have asked of the Lord that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. For He will hide me in His shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of His tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in His tent tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger, O you who have been my help. Cast me not off, forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. This is the word of God. Amen? Amen. There is nothing like a father's love. So much so that in the lack thereof, so many of us have suffered at the hands of the lack of a father's love. Take, for example, uh, the Jackson Five. They were born and raised there in Gary, Indiana early on. And their father, Joe Jackson, saw the potential in his five sons. So he began to work to cultivate the potential he saw in Jermaine, Tito, Marlon, and Michael. Uh, they were early on signed to Motown. And they began to rattle off these hits. Uh, all of these hits like ABC and I Want You Back and I'll Be There. Yet, Joe Jackson was not satisfied. Um, he was a father that laid down the hammer. 
the stories are told that Joe Jackson would literally sit on the couch with his belt uh, sitting there against his lap uh, during rehearsals in the living room. And if they made a mistake, each one of those boys would pay. Joe Jackson wrote in his own memoirs, The Jacksons, he wrote in his memoirs that his father laid the hammer down on him. Do you see the trend? What his father did to him, he began to do to his sons. And I want to tell you, this this lack of love affected his sons. If you know the story of Michael Jackson at all, if you've ever heard Michael Jackson talk about his father, he never referred to him as father or daddy. He always referred to him as Joe. Joe. Um, In fact, when Michael Jackson died, he was worth more dead than he was alive. Uh, His estate, you know how much they left Joe Jackson? Zero. The man who was responsible for encouraging Michael Jackson to exercise those muscles and he would become the king of pop, he left his father nothing. Nothing. I want to tell you that the love of a father or even the lack thereof is something else. Um, This morning, what we're going to see in Psalm 27 is that very thing. We're going to see this beautiful picture of the love of the Father. And David is literally writing this song, this psalm. He's writing this poem because of his love of the Father. And yes, we're going to see some struggles, but we're going to get to see the implications of the Father's love for him. I would dare say that the love of a father is so important that many of us have found ourselves in terrible predicaments because of the lack of our father's love. I would dare say that there are some women here that are in terrible relationships because of the lack of your father's love. I would dare say that there are some men who are fearful and don't know how to love the right way, the God kind of love Because your father didn't love you well. What David is going to show us is this beautiful picture of the father's love for him. We'll see three main ideas this morning. We'll see when God is for you, you have no reason to fear. We'll see when God is for you, you have no reason to fear. But secondly, we'll see that when God is for you, you don't just want God's stuff, you want him. But lastly, we'll see when God is for you, you and I will find that His timing is always better. I've titled this message, When God is for You. But before we go to work, let's pray together. Father, would You be in our midst this morning? Father, I pray that You would pull out of us what I'm not able to pull out of us. Father, would You draw us to Yourself this morning? Would you unveil yourself? Would you reveal yourself to us? Be present with us to convict us of our sin, to draw us closer to you, to pull us into you. Father, I pray that we would be tethered to you this morning. Father, would you just move me out of the way? Um, And I pray, Father, this morning that you would speak your words. I pray that I would decrease so that you can increase. 
Lord, we don't need the words of a mere 30-year-old man, but we need the words of you. So speak to us this morning. Have your way this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So obviously last week we talked about this picture of the crucifixion in Psalm 22. Um, But this week we're going to do something a little different in Psalm 27. But I told you, I think we ought to take regular excursions through the Psalms. Why? Because the Psalms, they give us pictures of worship, but they also reveal to us very clearly the character of God. If you want to know who God is and what God is all about, go to the Psalms because they will show us God's character. And Psalm 27 is no different. In fact, 13 times in Psalm 27, David says, The Lord, the Lord, the Lord. And when you see this capital L-O-R-D, David is pointing us to Yahweh God. And even before we get to anything else, what you and I can see is we can see David pointing us to Yahweh God. What does that mean? It means that God is a covenant keeper. That He is faithful. That He is trustworthy. That He keeps His promises. So before you and I go anywhere else, over and over again, David is telling us that my God is faithful. That He is trustworthy. That He keeps His word. When nobody else keeps their word, God will keep His word. He will because He is a faithful God. That's somebody's message this morning. Maybe you've been struggling with some relationships or maybe you've you've had some struggles in your life. And I want to tell you this morning that the God that I serve, the God that I want to show to you this morning is a faithful God. He is a God who is trustworthy even when nobody else is trustworthy. David shows us when God is for you, you have no reason to fear. I want us to see this. Look at verse 1 with me. David says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Then look down in verse 3. It says this, Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. Do you see this? David is saying, with God, you and I have nothing to be afraid of. Even when we are outnumbered, he uses this war kind of language. A war, and a war is right before me. An army is pursuing me. But I don't have anything to worry about. I, I am not afraid. That's what David is showing us, that when you and I are in him, when we have nothing to worry about, we have nothing to fear. I love this because what David is not saying is, David is not saying, I am strong enough and I am wise enough in my own strength. That's not what David is saying. David is saying, under the umbrella of my most powerful God, I don't have anything to fear. I don't have a reason to be afraid under the umbrella of God. He's not saying in my own strength, uh, with my own intellect, the more books I read, the more education I acquire, even my own life experiences won't make me unafraid. He's saying, with God, I can be unafraid. He's saying, with my God, I don't have to fear. 
See, this is incredible because when you don't have to fear because you are when you don't have to fear because you are strong and because you are wise, you get the glory. If you're not fearing because you are strong and you are wise, the glory goes to you. But when you are not afraid because God is wiser than you, because God is stronger than you, He gets the glory. And that's what David is doing and he's showing us, he's revealing this to us this morning. David is saying, I'm afraid, I'm not afraid because of my God and I'm not the one that is owed the glory, but God is. So, so often we hijack God's glory because we think we are smart enough and wise enough. We are stealing the glory of God because we want it to be accredited to our own account. And David is saying, the glory goes to God. He is more powerful than I. He is wiser than I. And the reason I don't have to fear is because of Him. And not because of my own strength. Paul reminds us, Timothy, uh, uh, he reminds Timothy this in 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. Listen to this. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. See, fear was never meant to dominate your my life. Let me tell you that our fear is a sign that we are not allowing God to be in control. When you and I allow fear to dominate our lives, it's because we have the reins and God doesn't. We aren't letting Him rule our lives and govern our lives when we're allowing fear to dominate our lives. What David is showing us is you and I ought to let go of the reins because God is in control and we have no reason to fear because of it. In the life of the believer in Jesus, David is saying, fear should have no dominion over you and I. Because God is our fortress. He is our refuge. He is our hiding place. And we have no reason to fear. Why? Because we're in Him. If your faith is in the Almighty God, if your faith is in Jesus Christ, you don't have a reason to fear. Why? Because you're in Him. You're in Him. Um, I remember getting called to the ministry. And and let me just say, I think everybody's calling is different. And all of us have a calling. My calling is not superior to your calling. Um, But I specifically remember when the Lord began to call me. And it was a tough thing for me to grasp. uh, Primarily because, you know, I just remember thinking, I don't want to be a preacher because I don't want to be broke. Like... I don't want to live that life. Um, and, you know, I remember, you know, my mine is very different than some others, um, but the Lord would give me dreams. And I would have dreams about pastoring and preaching. Um, and I remember going into, and I've told y'all this before, but I remember going into random churches that I've only been to one time and never went back again. Um, and the pastor in the middle of service would say, Man, God's got a call on your life. And it would just make me so afraid to think that, God, this ain't something that I want to do. Like, here I am in college when the Lord began to call me. And, 
you know, I, I was thinking about law school. I was thinking about federal law enforcement. Um, a whole different hemisphere than ministry. I didn't even like standing up in front of people and talking. Novel thought, right? Um, now I just can't shut up. Uh, but, but it just put all of this fear in my heart. Um, and then the words of Scripture began to ring true in my mind. That he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. And I will never leave you nor forsake you. That I am with you even to the ends of the age. Which reminded me that Chris, you don't have anything to be afraid of. Because you are in him. You are not left to your own devices. You don't have to be fearful because you are in him. Who are you in this morning? Who are you in this morning? Are you left to your own devices? Are you working things out on your own? Or are you in Him? Because left to yourself, you ought to be afraid. And I think that's what David shows us. David is saying, I am not afraid because I I am in Him. But apart from Him, you ought to tremble and shake. You ought to be afraid. He's telling us that there is nothing for you and I to fear if we're in Him. Secondly, when God is for you, you don't just want God's stuff, you want Him. Look at verse 4 with me. David says, One thing I have asked of the Lord, that I will seek after, and that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. Do you see that? Then he goes on to say in verse 8, this helps us. He says, You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Do you see that? Then in verse 13, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord In the land of the living, here's what David is saying. God, I want you more than I want your stuff. He's saying, God, I want to look upon your beauty. I want to gaze upon your face. And I want to be in your presence. I want you. More than I want to have my hand out, God, I want to know you in all of your beauty and and in all of your majesty. I want to know who you are, God. That's David's cry in Psalm 27. He wants to know God just for who He is. Is that your cry this morning? Is that the longing of your heart or or do you want a, a better job? Is the longing of your heart to know Him and to be with Him or do you need a car to get around? Is the longing of your heart to be with God and to know Him or are you tired of being alone at night? David is showing us that what he really desires is to seek the face of the Lord. To be present with Him in all of His beauty and in all of His majesty. And church today, that ought to be our desire to be with Him. To know Him, to love Him, to long for Him just for who He is. 
That ought to be our desire. Here's a God whose only grad school was tending sheep. And out of all the things he could ask for, he was a shepherd, which was a messy job. All of the things he could ask for, he says, I want to seek your face. Don't grease my palms. I want to seek your face, God. I I think about um, the rich and famous. It's got to be difficult to be not only wealthy, but also famous. Um, If you think about wealthy people, but also famous people, the two together, rich and famous people, they can't just marry regular folk. They don't want to marry just the average Joe. Why? Because there's always this thought in the back of their minds, do you want me for me or do you want me just for what I have? Deep down in their hearts, and I think that's why Holly Berry has been married for three times, as fine as she is. Sorry, sorry. But, um, I think, and even though she's been married to famous people, they ain't got as much money as she got. And I think in the back of her mind, what she's probably thinking is, do you want me for me, or do you just want me for what I have? And that, that's the picture in Psalm 27, is that we, you and I, should long for the living God just for who He is. And we should long to be in His presence and to seek His face, like David says in Psalm 27, just to know Him. And not just for what He has. What's your longing this morning? Do you want to know God? In all that He is, for all that He has done, do you want to just know Him? Or do you want the American dream? Which one do you want? Do you want to know Him or do you just want a bigger house provided for you? Do you want to know Him or do you want the white picket fence? What? I think we all have to, I have to ask myself that question. Chris, do you really just want to know Him or do you want His stuff? We've got to ask ourselves that this morning. Lastly, when God is for you, you and I realize His timing is always better. When God is for you, His timing is always better. Look at verse 14 with me says this, wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Then it says it again, wait for the Lord. The idea of waiting here, it is a command and not a suggestion. David is commanding us to wait for the Lord. The meaning behind waiting is to eagerly await or to anxiously hope for. I love what David is pointing us to because it's not the mere reality of waiting, but it's how we wait. David says, be strong and let your heart take courage, he says in verse 14. David borrows this from Joshua chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. At 
the end of Moses' life, Moses, Moses passes away, and Joshua has to take up the mantle. And I believe that Joshua is a bit fearful of all that he's about to take part of, but yet he is waiting on the Lord. Listen to this, Joshua chapter 1, verse 6 through 9. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. Listen to this. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Again, he says, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Not only is God saying, don't be fearful here, but he's also saying the way that you and I wait is by being obedient to the word of God. The Lord says to Joshua, I'm about to do some things with you, Joshua, but here's what I need from you. I need you to be courageous. I need you to be strong. And don't you let this word of God depart from your mouth, Joshua. He's saying, how do I wait? How do you and I wait when we're waiting for the return of the Lord, the coming of the the Lord? We cling to the word of God. We find a home in the Word of God. And that's what David is reminding us of in Psalm 27, is that you and I need to have this insatiable hunger and thirst for the Word of God. Do you have that this morning? Do you have it? David is pointing us to the same message that the Lord gave Joshua Don't be afraid, but hold on to the word of God because I'm going to move. If you want to wait for the coming of the Lord, how do you wait? If you want to wait for the return of the Lord, how do you wait? You believe and you are obedient to the word of God. And I want to tell you that if you are not living according to the word of God, you cannot properly wait for the coming of the Lord. God's word is true. He reveals himself to us in his word. And you and I ought to be longing and anticipating his return. Um, So, you know, I know my way around the kitchen a little bit, you know. I know my way around just a little bit. So I'll tell y'all the extent of my way around the kitchen. I've got two masterpieces. One is Tony's frozen pizzas. But don't laugh because you got to brown it just right. Don't, don't laugh. But the other one is chocolate chip cookies. Yeah, and I buy the pre-made batter, but so what? Um, you got to brown it just right. But one of the things I hate about putting one of those pizzas in the oven or some of those chocolate chip cookies that I love is you got to wait for them. 
and every so often I will just creep up upon the oven and I'll open it up. I just want to see what's going on and how close I am to, to enjoying the chocolatey goodness in the oven. But I'm letting the heat out and I'm, I'm forcing it to take longer. How should we wait? We anticipate. We wait. I think about the story of Joseph. Here is a guy who was sold into slavery multiple times. He was beat down by his own family and left for dead. He was thrown in jail. He was lied on by Potiphar's wife. You want to talk about a guy who had to wait. Waiting for the Lord to move. Waiting on the coming of the Lord. And I know that there are some people here this morning who are waiting. And you've been struggling. And life has been weighing down on you. And you are waiting to see if God is going to move. Here is your encouragement this morning. On how you wait. The way that you and I wait is we wait clinging and holding fast to the Word of God because He will return. We wait anticipating God to move. At this point you might be asking, Chris, um, how do I know if God is for me? You're saying this stuff about if God is for you, all of this jazz. How do I know if God... Is for me. Simple answer. If Jesus is your Lord, God is for you. If Jesus is your Lord and Savior, God is for you. Romans 5 tells us, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And I'm here to tell you this morning, that's exactly what Jesus did. God provided a bridge in Jesus Christ that He may stand in your and my place for our sin. Jesus did for us what we could never begin to do for ourselves. He said yes to the cross. He could have said no to it. He said nobody is taking my life, but I give it up freely. And He gave up His own life. He took the nails in His hands. He took the crown of thorn on his head. He took the lashes on his back, all because he loved us that much. He loved us. How do you know if God is for you, if you believe that? Do you believe it this morning? Do you believe that Jesus really did take the penalty for you and that He really was buried and He rose again on the third day conquering all sin and death? Do you believe that if you do, God is for you? He's for you. He loves you. He cares for you. And He cares for you. He cared for you enough to send His only Son. Would you give up your child? For folk that laughed at you and scorned you and spit on you? Would you give up your child for folk that lied on you? He loved us that much. Nobody took his life, but Jesus gave it up.
and he experienced separation from the Father, and he said yes to death, he said yes to being buried, and he rose again because he loved you and I. Do you believe that? Jesus says in his own words, Come to me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. Do you need rest? Do you need rest this morning? Jesus says, if you need rest, if you want to know if God is for you, come to Him. Jesus says in His own words, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And what Jesus was saying in that moment is, I am the one you have been looking for. And maybe you thought you would find it in the bottom of an alcohol bottle. Maybe you thought you would find it at the end of a needle. Maybe you thought you would find it in success, in education, in a relationship, in sex, in pornography. Maybe you thought you would find it elsewhere. But Jesus says, I am the one. I am not just a good messenger, but I am Savior and Lord. Will you say yes to Him today? Will you say yes to Him today? Father, thank You. Lord, thank You that there is... There's no magic here. It's Your work. And Father, I pray whether it is right here and right now, or when somebody leaves and jumps in their car or walk back to the house, that You would convict of sin. And that You would draw to Yourself... And I thank you that it is not up to us, but it is up to the power of your Spirit. So would you draw? Would you move on hearts this morning? And would you bring us to yourself like the prodigal son? Now, Father, I pray for these gifts that you're about to receive, these tithes and these offerings. Lord, I pray that you would use them to... Be a blessing to your kingdom. I pray, God, that churches would be planted because of these gifts. That leaders would be trained and raised up because of these gifts. That we would support ministry and the work of Christ in the nations because of these gifts. And I pray, Father, that Memphis would be changed because of the people sitting right here in this room. Lord, help us to be spokespeople, your ambassadors in our neighborhoods and our jobs. We'll be faithful to give you all the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.